What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, there's a place for us, somewhere a place for us. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Joe McCormick. And uh, our, our good friend Lauren is uh, still uh, battling bacteria uh, possibly with a sword. Strange coincidence. Yeah. It's almost as if we just continued recording on the same day as the other episode. There's a peek behind the curtain. Almost as if. But uh, anyway, we still want to talk a little more about bacteria. And mm-hmm. uh, and in the last podcast, we kind of talked about bacteria, about how, they, uh, how, we, how we've used bacteria to create stuff, whether it's uh, drugs or chemicals of some sort or even – possibly harnessing bacteria to form nanowires or even to do physical work on a very tiny scale. But we wanted to talk about a different application for bacteria in this podcast. Yeah, we wondered, have you ever considered the fact that uh, the bacteria that gave you food poisoning when you were on vacation um, and kept you inside for a week might be smarter than you are, or at least better at math? 
No, I have not. I, I thought that I was dumb for getting it, but I didn't think that the bacteria itself was smarter. Well, that's what you get when you eat the, the seafood special. At, at a uh, gas station? The, yeah. yeah. Yeah, never again. Well, maybe one more time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we wanted to talk about using bacteria to, to do computations. And, and the fact that a bacterial computer is, in fact, a possibility yeah. for, okay. for very People specific are, types of problems. Right. People are probably going like, wait, 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 what? Yeah. yeah, no, you heard us right. Like using bacteria to solve computational problems. Right, we're not. It's ta- real. We're not talking about you need to clean your keyboard, although that's also true. Cause and, gross. Yeah, uh, this is also not just crazy futurist speculation. We're talking about stuff that's already been done in the lab. Right. So, so Jonathan, how, yeah. what what are we talking about here? What's involved? We're mostly talking about NP class problems. So these are problems that are classically very difficult for computers to solve. Uh, NP problems tend to have lots of variables and they tend to have a lot of potential uh, um, pathways that you can take. And classically, the way a computer eliminates possibilities is it goes through every single permutation and checks to find out whether or not it's a valid response, which means that it has to go through them sequentially. Mm-hmm. and uh, One at a time. One at a time. So, uh, for example, the, one, one of the problems we can talk about is uh, the Hamiltonian path problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the burnt pancake problem, which yeah, you're we'll going to do talk that about. one first. Yeah, uh, do you want to talk about that one first? Let, let, let's start with an example. Well, what is yeah, the burnt let's explain pancake what problem? The problems are okay. So the burnt pancake problem. Well, it starts with the pancake problem, and this is a sorting problem in uh, computation. Um, and so a lot of what computer programmers do is come up with ways of arranging data in a certain way, like mm-hmm. from smallest to largest, sure. say. Um, so the the pancake problem tells you to imagine this. Okay, so you're, a, you're like a waiter running around in a restaurant and you've got a stack of X number of pancakes in your hand. Right. Um, That's not sanitary. It should be on a plate. Well, okay. Imagine it's on a plate. Uh, okay. But you're you're holding the bottom of the plate All right. with one hand. Yeah. Um, and while you're running around the restaurant, um, you want to arrange the pancakes so that the largest pancake is on the bottom and the smallest pancake is on the top. Thus ensuring pancake stability. Right. Very important. Right. You can't put the tallest pancake on the top. It's yeah, just yeah. insane. It would just the, topple over. It's madness. Yeah. Uh, so – how do you arrange it? Well, you've only got one free hand, so you can't go sticking, inserting all over. You can only flip stacks of pancakes. So imagine you've got a stack of pancakes and you can stick a spatula in anywhere along the stack and flip everything that's above the stat- the spatula over. So yeah, so you would want to try and find the way of doing this with the fewest number of flips. Right. What's the fewest number of times you can stick the spatula in and turn over everything on top of it to get the the stack sorted from largest to smallest? See, my solution to this problem is to order waffles. But you could have some waffles bigger than another. Oh, well, probably not actually because the waffle press has a standard size. Right. Whereas See, the pancakes, they spread out according to the pour. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so that's, – so, That's smart. That's a more symmetrical order. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so so you're sorting like that. So that's one type of hard problem. Right. And what you want to do when you've got a, a pancake sorting algorithm is to figure out the least number of flips, like we said, to, right. to get the stack in order. The burnt pancake problem adds another – complication. It says that each pancake is burned on one side. Gotcha. And uh, so you want to get the stack in order, but you also want all of the burned sides facing down. 
Gotcha. So you so it may require extra flips because some of the when you when you arrange stuff, it may turn out that the one that would have been in the right position is it's from based on size is perfectly fine, mm-hmm. but because the burnt side is up, you have to flip that. But that yeah. means that everything on top of it also gets flipped. So then you have to figure right. out how many more flips do you do to get it all ordered largest on the bottom and burnt sides yeah. down. If you just stop and think about this for a second, this is a really hard problem to solve. Yeah, it's not something that is you you know you, you just look at it, especially it gets harder the more pancakes you add, right. right? And that's that's another thing that we can talk about that a lot of these NP problems fall into this category where uh, they get uh, much more complex when you start to add extra variables in. They get a, what would you, is it exponentially more complex? Uh, I would need to look into it to make absolutely sure that exponentially is in fact the correct term. I would say at least geometrically more complex. In in other words, that it's it's increasing at a very um, predictable rate because exponentially would mean that it's increasing 10 times over each time or by by whatever the exponent is. Well, okay. Yeah. We'll settle that later. Yes. But anyway, it does get far more complex. And once you get to a certain level of complexity and you're using a classic computer to try and solve this, remember that classic computer is going through every single uh, variation of the solution of that problem. So it has to wait until it's finished with one before it can begin the next one. Uh, if you have a multi-core processor, then it can divide that up among the various cores and try and solve the problem more quickly by each core working on a different variation of that. But even then, you're still only reducing the overall time by a, a tiny amount compared to how, you know, this could take decades or centuries to solve depending on how complex the problem is mm-hmm. if you're using a classical computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other NP problem we were going to talk about, the Hamiltonian path problem, this is one you guys may have heard about. The idea is that you've got uh, these different nodes within a, a system or you can think of it as cities. Um, sometimes this is uh, – a variation of this is called the traveling salesman problem. Though the traveling salesman problem is a little bit harder because it involves calculating a minimum distance. But right, right. This, uh, this is a little different in that the idea is that you've got let's, – let's say you've got five cities and you want to visit all five cities and the cities have roadways but not every city is connected to every other city. Right. So some cities are connected to maybe just one other city. Other cities are connected to two or three. And you have to figure out which pathway you can take where you visit each city once and only once. But you do visit all the cities. So, uh, again, a classic computer would have to sit there and go through each variation and uh, validate or throw out the results based upon what happened. So uh, depending on how how many cities are there. That can take a really long time because there's so many different uh, options. So instead of trying each thing, instead of having one smart computer try each option one at a time, mm-hmm. is there something? Is there something that can do lots of different variations all at the same time? There are a couple of things, and one of them, of course, is what we're talking about: bacteria. Uh, it turns out that if you are using bacteria and you encode DNA so that it essentially simulates whatever the problem is, uh, and then you <laughs> kind of sounds crazy, but you're kind of shaking the bacteria all together. What what results is the answer to the problem? So both of the problems we've just described, the uh, burnt pancake problem and the Hamiltonian path problem, believe it or not, have been solved by bacteria. Shut your mouth. Yes. 
Okay. Bacterial computers, what some people call uh, uh, bactoputing, right? <laughs> I, I wish I had not heard that, but all right. Or bacterioputing. Or, wow. Or just uh, – You're not making it any better. Buping. Buping. Bu- I like buping. Buputing. Buputing. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, bacterial computers, literally colonies of bacteria have been made to solve these problems. Well, how on earth could they do that? They're, they're able to do this in parallel as opposed to sequentially. So the classical computer is trying to solve the problem sequentially, like we said, and it's going through all the different variations. Time, yeah. uh, but bacteria can actually examine all of these kind of at once, and it's – Interesting. They, researchers had, for the Hamiltonian problem, what they did was they only used three cities, which dramatically reduces the complexity, mm-hmm. but. But uh, it's a proof of concept. It's a proof of concept, and it, sh- and it, they showed that it's a sound proof of concept. What they did was they, they modified the DNA of E. coli bacteria, our good old buddies who mm-hmm. make you feel not so good after you've had that lukewarm hot dog. <laughs> uh, but uh, they, they modified the DNA and they ended up uh, shuffling this DNA together and the bacteria ended up producing the correct answer. The, bacteri- the, the DNA was to give the bacteria a command to either glow red or green and then uh, they put the bacteria in different combinations that represented the various um, options for mm-hmm. traveling through this this these nodes. And the one that was the actual answer ended up turning yellow. The the bacteria turned yellow. Okay, right? And yeah. so in a way you're thinking, all right, well, you're just throwing all the options into variations and then you shake it up and see what comes out. And that's actually true. You know, you're using all these – but it is – Processing in parallel, but right? It, but it's useful. I mean, it can solve the problem. It's yeah. like even if the bacteria don't know what they're doing. No. Of course, one might point out that the silicon in your computer chip doesn't know what it's doing either. Yeah, and often I don't but, know what I'm doing, so yeah. I don't see where the argument um, comes but from. But so the bacteria don't know what they're doing. They don't understand that they're solving the problem, but it just happens to be that we can set it so that the ones that do solve the problem make it clear. Yeah, exactly. So what we can do is you create the bacteria with all the different variations that you need to address whatever the problem is. You do all the different combinations that those bacteria can be in. In other words, like uh, the, the the variations and then you, you take a look and see the results mm-hmm. and whatever the, whatever the right answer is, is going to be evident based upon whatever you've told the bacteria to do when it when it's the – Result you need. Yeah. So the, uh, the what I was reading, if I understand correctly, the way they uh, ascertained the success of computing the burnt pancake problem in bacteria was they, um, I think they they introduced an antibiotic into the bacterial colonies and uh, basically they had worked it so that bacteria that solved the problem correctly would end up with a resistance to the antibiotics so those bacteria would survive and all the rest die off yeah yeah that's and that that's a very quick way of taking a look and saying all right here's your answer yeah because it has to be uh, that's and it's kind of an interesting approach the other the other big method I've heard of for tackling these sort of problems besides using something like a graphics processing unit which has lots and lots of different parallel mm-hmm. processors in it yeah uh, That would still take a long time to solve a lot of these NP problems um, uh, depending upon how complex they were. But uh, quantum computers are very – take a very similar approach. But a quantum – That's a whole other episode. It is a different episode. But just really quickly, a quantum computer – you know, a classic computer uses bits. 
which are either a zero or a one. It's that, that binary digit. Um, that's what bit stands for. Well, quantum computers use qubits, Q-U-B-I-T-S. And these are bits that exist in superposition, meaning uh, that they're they... are not just a zero or one. Not just they? a zero or one. They are both a zero and a one, and technically everything in between. And theoretically, if you had enough qubits together, you could process these problems in parallel where each qubit is either a zero or a one or both or whatever, and you process all the uh, all the possibilities all at once, assuming that you have enough qubits to tackle whatever the big problem is. Mm-hmm. So you would have to first create enough qubits to be able to do this. If you did, then you could solve the problem in parallel. We're at really good theory. at manipulating qubits, aren't we? No, no, unfortunately, no, no, because no, <laughs> if you it, the, it's very it's a very um, delicate system. Yeah. Uh, anything time you're you're talking about quantum effects, you are talking about a very delicate system that can very simply break down. And if it broke down, your quantum computer would essentially become a classical computer. Yeah. Do, we, do we interfere with the state of the qubit whenever we look at the qubit? I mean... That's the problem, right? Yeah. And then also I should point out that uh, the answers you get from a quantum computer are probabilistic. They are not definitive. So you would get essentially a, a level of... Uh, uh, like a, a, a percentage of how accurate is this answer? Like, mm-hmm. is it, it's 80%, there's an 80% chance this is the answer kind of thing. Like, you're never going to get a 100% response where you're going to know for sure that you've got the right answer. Uh, that's again, grossly, uh, understating what a quantum computer does, but, you know, for the purposes of this discussion, I thought it was interesting. Just because, again, it was one of those things where, as I was reading about these bacterial computers, I thought, well, that's kind of similar to what a quantum computer does. It's just doing it with DNA and doing it in a, uh, you know, not in a, a quantum, uh, like a, a weird quantum effect kind of way. P.S. Write to us and tell us to do an episode on quantum computers and we can convince our bosses to do it. Then. Yeah, we need enough of you guys to say, I really want to know about this quantum computer. Also, we can talk about quantum encryption, which is wicked awesome. Uh, but yeah, you need to write in and tell us we can do that. So yeah, so we have solved problems with bacteria. Yes. What What else do we need to do to make a bacterial computer? Well – you got to be able to uh, go beyond just the prototype stage and make mm-hmm. sure you have you, – you have to – it's all a question of scale, right? Yeah. So scale is an issue and also, you know, you got to feed your computer as it turns out. Right. Well, maybe here's how I should rephrase it. Uh-huh. Are, are there ways that we know we can use bacteria in uh, – or at least we think we will be able to use bacteria in, in computing in the, the nearer future? In an in a indirect way, uh, there are bacteria that can produce – uh, essentially, magnetic material. Oh, they, yeah, magnetite, right? Yeah, isn't magnetite. The, it's the most magnetic natural mineral, isn't it? Yep. And uh, there are there's bacteria that that consumes iron and creates uh, magnetite. And so, you know, if you've ever wondered about how a how a hard drive works, a classic hard drive, those are magnetic drives. They are storing information magnetically. That's also why if you've ever worked with any kind of computer or uh, magnetic storage, you know you're not supposed to bring powerful magnets anywhere close to that because you could accidentally wipe whatever it is you're working with. Um, well, there are bacteria that produce magnetite, and there's a possibility that we could use these to create new types of hard drives because one of the challenges we're encountering is – 
designing uh, computer components that are on an increasingly smaller scale. It's hard to get to a level of precision once we get down below a certain level. And this might give us a chance to create even more precise means of constructing something like hard drives. So it wouldn't be a full computer. It would be a computer component. But that's an actual possibility that we may see within the next few years. That's pretty cool. No, it's pretty awesome. The idea of harnessing bacteria to create uh, things that that will increase our own ability to uh, to store information and access information. That's and of pretty course, interesting. If, if you've listened to our last episode, that that isn't the only thing uh, that bacteria can manufacture. No, nope, we can uh, create things like wires. I mean, and the wires thing to me, the wires thing is really interesting because the idea of being able to create wires that can exist within an organism means that you have a lot of options when it comes to cyborg implants. And as we've already covered in a previous episode of Forward Thinking, I'm an aspiring cyborg. So <laughs> that'll just pave my pathway to robotic uh, uh, superiority that much more quickly. So, you know, stay on my good You've side. You've got a crazy look in your eye. I, I pretty much always have a crazy look in my eye, but I have a, I have a, specifically crazy look in my eye here. I'm, I'm mostly imagining that scene in Terminator where you see the robot on the, the mound of human skulls. Okay. That's, you know, that's my happy that's place. That's what all your dreams look like. Yeah. Um, they end up there. They don't necessarily start there, but I find a way. <laughs> I find a way. Yeah. So How does the, the naked in high school dream turn to well, the standing on the clo- skulls? Clothes don't don't transfer over when you go through the time portal. Oh, that's, that's, you're <laughs> correct. So, okay. duh. Okay, speaking of robots. Okay, yes, yes. Um, Let's do that. I had a kind of crazy idea. All right. Um, and, and here we're going to utter speculation. Okay. Um, but in the last podcast, we talked about how bacteria can be used to generate mechanical motion. Right. Right. So you can um, you can regulate the amount of oxygen and fluid um, with bacteria suspended in it to get the bacteria to push micro gears. They're actually they're turning gears that can operate tiny machinery. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've got mechanical motion. Right. We just talked about computing. Right. Those two things put together are the building blocks of something we would call a robot. Yeah. Now, if you're talking about a bacterial robot, uh, this is not a nanobot. It's going to be larger than the nanoscale. Yeah. But it would still be – But it would be made of bacteria. Yeah. You could have a – in theory, if we were able to uh, harness this sort of power, then yeah, I guess – I imagine so. I mean you would still need – uh, some means of processing that information. Because right now what we're talking about with the computers is mostly, you know, put all the dice in a, in a, in a bucket and mm-hmm. shake them. And when you remove the bucket and you sh- reveal what the dice have rolled because of the way that this system works, only the dice that are necessary to answer the question show up and you get the answer. Right. Going from that to some sort of computer that can actually process information in a meaningful way and give commands, that's a big jump. It's not to say that we won't make it. So, and also, like we've said before, uh, if we're, if we're talking about building something at a very tiny scale, it, it behooves us to look at nature because there are already these natural organisms that are on this tiny, tiny scale that do very well. So if we can emulate that or manipulate them in some way, then we can, uh, create things on that scale much more quickly than we would if we just build from 
the ground up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So could we have a bacterial robot? I don't see why not. If we did, what would it be good for? An autonomous bacterial machine. I would imagine that that would have medical uses. Mm -hmm. I mean, something that could, uh, especially if you had any way of guiding it uh, in within a a larger organism, then you could end up using that to either administer medicine or do even, you know, think about cellular level surgery. You know, I mean, talking about surgery on the cellular level where you're actually repairing uh, injured or damaged uh, or or diseased tissue with something that has a level of precision far greater than even the sharpest scalpel. So that's a potential use for it. Whether we actually ever see that, I don't know. Uh, I'm a a little skeptical. It sounds like it's a little science fiction-y to me, but then I'm sure if we had talked to people, you know, 50 years ago, they would say that the stuff that we take for granted now is the stuff of science fiction. It would never come to pass. Yeah, the internet. The internet, having the internet in your, in your hand, <laughs> having things like telesurgery. I mean, yeah. we already have telesurgery where people can can perform surgeries from across the world. But well, it seems clear that uh, if there ever will be a, uh, a bacterial robot, it's a long way off. Yeah. But another thing that seemed uh, possible to me as a use for a bacterial robot is um, so how do you get your other bacterial machines to do their job? I mean, if we have like microfluidic machines that are controlled by Mm -hmm. bacteria, it could be useful to have autonomous bacterial machines that know what they're doing via the computing power. Yeah. I I would imagine you would mostly have to have some bacterial incentives in there, like some bacterial (laughs) coffee, uh, like a good Bacterial life work balance. Yeah, yeah. You know, so maybe you could work from outside the organism three days all the week. A, b- a bacterial uh, vacation plan. Yeah, you know. yeah. Every now and spend then, spend your get... holidays in uh, Jonathan Strickland's lower intestine. Yeah. Well, boy, do they. <laughs> but to seriously answer your question, that, that's a good. That's a, an excellent question, and honestly, it's one of those things where. Uh, again, like I can kind of see where the individual pieces would need to come in from. I have no idea what the execution would actually be. Right. But it's one of those things where I'm sure there are people who are working on that. And there are also, you know, keep in mind, we've got people working on, on manipulating and altering bacteria from multiple disciplines. So we're going to see advances from many different disciplines all kind of combined together in the future to uh, to create stuff that we can only dream about right now. Or some of us can't even dream about it. It may be beyond even the crazy stuff we're talking about here. So that's the coolest thing, I think, about this kind of research is that it will lead us to discoveries that you know we can only speculate on and, and I doubt we'll even get close to the, the cool stuff that comes down the line. This world is so weird to us, the very, very small. Yeah, and it's also... so the, outside of the way we think. The, I, I always say, like, there are certain worlds that are largely a mystery to us. The very tiny and the extremely large, like the cosmological scale. But they're, but the thing, the thing that makes them really different in my mind is on the galactic scale, there are no machines. They're that all, we know they're, of. They're, well, yeah, not that we know. I mean, God, that'd be terrifying. Uh, <laughs> we could be living in a uh, computer simulation, in which case we true. are one gigantic there machine. Be, there could be galaxy-sized cells of bacteria. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, but as far as we know, at the at the galactic level, there are no machines. At the micro level, there are tons of machines. Yeah, there, there's there's a machine for almost everything. Right, and, and if just, there and if there isn't one yet, we can manipulate it to do it. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how we'll harness bacteria in the future and what kind of interesting applications we can have. Uh, we've really just scratched the surface here and there are a lot of incredibly smart people who are really pushing the boundaries of what we thought was possible even as little as five years ago. Uh, I think if you had talked to some of the researchers five years ago about some of the stuff that's going on now, they would have thought you were crazy. So, uh, it'll be Interesting to see how this goes in the future. Guys, if you have any suggestions for future topics of forward thinking, please get in touch with us. Let us know. Like, let's say you want to know about quantum computers and you think, I hope they get around to that. It'll help if you write in. Or if there's any other topic you want, let us know. Our email address is fwthinking at discovery.com. Or go to fwthinking.com. That's the website where we have all of our videos, the podcasts, the blogs, and all of the links to our social media. So if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook or Google+, that's where you can go to find us and uh, drop us a line. Let us know how you're doing. You know, Tell us what you're excited about in the future. And uh, we will be sure to take that into consideration. We're excited to hear from you. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! 
and some waves so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.